0: Hi everyone, Sebastian Richard here for Thriving on Purpose. Uh, Before I begin tonight, I just want to say if you haven't done so already, make sure you head to thrivingonpurpose.com and that you sign up to our weekly newsletter. Uh, That way you're going to stay up to date with all the, uh, the news and updates of the ministry. And you'll also get some store discount. This will enable you to follow this ministry despite the censorship that's going on right now. And while you're at it, make sure you check out our unique Kingdom Patriot merch and remnant apparel. And if you feel led to partner with this ministry or to sow a seed, uh, you can do so on our website by clicking on the Give button. Now, I have taken far too much of your time with this. So let's get on with this week's teaching, which is titled the elite versus the elect the elite versus the elect initially i had titled it it's time to pick a side but i know that most of my listeners have already picked a side and i i guess what i meant to say was more like it's time to get off the fence it's time to stop being lukewarm and this this is what this uh broadcast is about i want to make a point that uh there's um we're, we're in a war and, and the, the lines of division have been drawn. They're so precise now, uh, they used to be a lot more, um, I guess you could say that there was more of a gray zone, uh, before, before the whole, you know, virus thing. Um, but now, um, just, for the last two years, the lines have been drawn and we know uh, that this was supposed to happen. Jesus said, I, I came not to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And uh, this cut is, is more and more pronounced and we see it. Now, in the book of Luke, in chapter four, we read uh, about the temptation of Christ, the temptation of Jesus. And at one point in uh, verses five through, five through eight, we read this, the devil, But the interesting part is that the devil said, I can give it to anyone I want to. I can give it to anyone I want to. And guess what? He has done just that for many, many centuries. And even for millennia, he's been giving it to whoever he wants to. And we know that the devil has distributed earthly wealth of his kingdom to those who willfully serve him. And they are often called the elite, the elite. And they have other names that people have come to know them by. They're called, for example, the 1% or the controllers. I've also heard them being called the mighty men of the earth or the shadow government. And there's other terms, and I won't go through the whole list, but you know where I'm going. So for those who read the Bible, this is not surprising. In fact, the Bible itself is an epic account of that battle, the battle between the elite, those who call themselves the elite, it sounds good, doesn't it, and the people of God, also known as the elect so it's the elite versus the elect and it has been so uh, this epic battle since the very beginning. We read in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 after the fall when God is giving the consequences, telling the consequences to uh, to the woman, the man and the serpent in Genesis 3:15. He's talking to the serpent and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. But the interesting part is where he says between your offspring and hers, meaning that the devil had an offspring on the earth. And this offspring... uh, These people who are uh, the devil's offspring, Jesus had a heated conversation with them back in his day, back when he was on earth. Uh, Back then, they were uh, in many places, but the people he spoke to, they were in charge mostly of the religious institutions. They were called, for many of them, were in uh, what is called, what was called the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and it's kind of ironic because to this day, uh, there's still some a lot of uh, the devil's people, the devil's offspring, who operate in religion. Because they just understand how much power there is to gain there. Because religion is a means of control. And if you can infiltrate it, you can control a lot of people. So in John chapter 8, verses 39 to 44, we read this. So they were having this a back-and-forth conversation, Jesus and the religious leaders. And they said, Abraham is our father, they answered, because Jesus was hinting that they had another father. And then Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come of my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And, uh, well, as you can see that the way this conversation was going, uh, obviously Jesus was going to have the last word because he always did whenever he engaged with uh, people, but they didn't like it, and they ended up uh, using their influence with Rome to get him killed back then. So we know that there is what is called like I said the elite versus the elect but we could also say the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent and that's what we're talking about also we could say the righteous versus the wicked it's interesting because the book of proverbs repeats over and over again that there are two families on the earth two main families two main groups on the one hand there are the righteous And on the other hand, there's the wicked. And and it's interesting because in Proverbs, the righteous and the wicked are mentioned 53 times. That's quite a bit. The righteous and the wicked. And remember, we know that those who call themselves neutral, by default, they fall on the side of the wicked. Because there is no neutrality when it comes to God. You're either for God or you're against him. You're either walking with him or you're walking away from him. There is no neutral. And uh, we'll see that as we go. Another term that we could compare it to, um, this elite versus the elect, the sheep versus the goats. The sheep versus the goats. In John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And in Matthew 25, verses 31 and 46, Jesus really depicts a picture where at the end of time, at the end of the age, I should say, there is a separation, a, a, a definite separation taking place he said this when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him then he will sit on the throne of his glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left Then the king will say to those on his right, on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, then you came to me. Then the righteous will answer will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these of my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in, naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer to them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment the righteous into eternal life it's a uh, very sobering passage uh, for sure and uh, even even as believers I mean when we read this we uh, personally I I go in I go I go within and I go like have I done enough do I really help out my fellow man the way I should do I do enough do I feed them, clothe them, help the poor, help the needy as much as I should. And it's a good thing. We should all ask ourselves that. Um, But it is sobering for sure. But the sheep and the goats, that's what the passage is about. The sheep and the goats. Isn't it interesting in the passage, how they are divided? It says that the sheep are on the right and the goats on the left. Now, it's always been in, in kingdoms and in king when, when we're talking about a king, whoever sits on the right hand of a king is it's a place of honor, it's a place of blessing. So to be on the right is a good thing. And the goats were on the left. So he divided the sheep, put them on the right, the goats on the left. And and today we have political, we have politics, and we have the right, and we have the left. Now, everything on the right is not all good, and everything on the left is not all bad. And it used to be that the differences were very, I I would say, minor when these things started, the right and the left in politics. There were some things that actually popped up on the left that were good things, that were giving a, a different view from what was espoused by the right. But ever since then, the the right and the left, what happened in politics is that they started out like this, just slightly opposed to now divided to such a degree, there is a canyon that divides them. Um, And obviously we know that today's left is not the left of my grandfather. I mean, Things have changed so much. Things have changed so much. Anyone today who doesn't understand the difference between right and left um, basically doesn't understand the difference between life and death, righteousness and wickedness. It's as it's as day and night as this. Um, so yeah, so Jesus divides the sheep on the right, and the goats on the left. So the elite. The elite, those who, who worship basically their own navels, their own desires, they worship evil, <laughs> they also worship the goat of Mendes. Isn't it interesting? So in the in that story by of Jesus, they're called the goats. The left, the, 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 the wicked, they're called the goats. And the elite worship the goat of Mendes, which is also known as baphomet and it is found in the shape of a uh, a pentagram and if you've seen any images of that in the occult it's basically a goat it's a goat's head which forms the five-pointed star so the pentagram is a goat's head basically and so basically uh, the the elite or those who are opposed to god the wicked they don't even hide their allegiance. They're goats and they're proud of it. And uh, by the way, it is them who mockingly reworded the word children into the word kids. Today, we it's part of our vernacular. We use that word all the time. Right? We call our children kids. But a kid is a baby goat. So when they began shifting from the word children to the word kid, because they use words all the time. Uh, If you don't know that about how they operate in the kingdom of darkness, they use words. They use spells. Spells is where we get the word spelling from. So spelling is how we spell words. So they use words and they spread them abroad. They spread them everywhere in the media, in our movies, in our books, and they make use of them in such a way that these words gain power. So that's witchcraft, but they changed the word children to kids. And like I was saying, a kid is a baby goat. So this was their way of appropriating for themselves our children through means of deception. So what kind of deception? Well, deception in our schools school systems, movies, cartoons, uh, magazines, books, I mean, you name it, they they spread their venom pretty much everywhere, and it's, for them, it was, uh, it's always, they do it, they always do it mockingly, so that word kids is to be used very, very sparingly, uh, if you're a Christian, And I myself, I'm talking to myself here because I've used that word quite a lot. And uh, I should call them children or little boogers. (laughs) I'm kidding. But the point is, we got to be careful the words we use, right? We don't want to use the words they coined for their purposes. Another term to define the elite versus the elect in the Bible is the wheat and the tares. The wheat being the elect, and the tares being the elite. So in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is a parable for our times because I believe, and I know I'm not alone, I believe we are approaching harvest time rapidly. Rapidly, so the time of harvest is right. It's right here, and the disciples at the time they didn't quite get the parable, and they asked him for an explanation. And in the same, um, in the same chapter in Matthew thirteen, now in verses thirty-six to forty-three, Jesus gives them the explanation. So we read, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parables of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares, are the sons of the wicked one. Now, see the the, the difference here. Two families. Two families. This is the epic story from Genesis to Revelation between the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, the end of the eon. So what is kind of erroneously called the end of the world. It's really the end of the age, the end of this age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. And those who practice, now note the word here, very important word. And those who practice lawlessness, those who make a practice of being lawless, of being without law. This is very important. We're going to talk a little bit about it later. And we'll cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father he who has ears let him hear another term that is used <clears throat> is like I, I we just read here the sons of the kingdom and i like that how he calls them the sons of the kingdom and the others are the the sons of the those who practice lawlessness let me find it again oh no noma Yeah, and those who practice lawlessness. Interesting, isn't it? So, the sons of God versus the sons of the wicked one. In John chapter 1, verse 12, we read this. But as many who, but as many has received him, he gave them power to be made the sons of God. The sons of God. To them that believe in his name. We were given the power to become sons of God. Now, this is no small matter. Uh, I, I once preached a sermon on that, and I said I was using the famous quote by, uh, that Spider-Man uses uh, the, that his Uncle Ben taught him. With great power comes great responsibility. Well, the Bible says that the power we were given is the power to be made into sons of God. I don't think there's any greater power than that, which means there is no greater responsibility. And and Jesus calls the tares the sons of the wicked one in Matthew. We just read it in Matthew 13, 38, the sons of the wicked one. So the sons of God, on the one hand, are butting heads with the sons of the wicked one this age-old conflict. And in 1 John 3.12, 1 John, this time, not John, but 1 John 3.12, it says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, who was of that wicked one. Now, in, in the passage in Matthew, we read we read about the, the Son of Man, Will get uh, the, the will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness. Those who practice lawlessness. Now, I, I think it's important to uh, kind of cover what lawlessness is, and to do that, we have to kind of cover certain terms that are used in the in the scriptures, such as evil, sin and lawlessness, or also called iniquity. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, iniquity is the Greek term, iniquity. So what is evil? What is sin? What is lawlessness? I've done some research, and I believe I have at least a part of the answer. Evil, the Bible says we are evil. That's kind of not fun to hear, but it's the truth. We're born with a sin nature, but we're also born evil. But what is evil? Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I was uh, I was watching, a, I think it was a cartoon or it, it featured Wonder Woman. And it was a cartoon, I think, or an audiobook. It was an audiobook. And Wonder Woman is discussing with another member of the Justice League and the other member of the Justice League is is saying um we have to to stop all those who are evil all uh, all the bad guys all those who are evil he said and she said I prefer ignorant I prefer using the term ignorant so she said to him I don't want to use the word evil I prefer ignorant and that kind of Rub me a little bit the wrong way i was like that's kind of peace and love or weird to say but i did some research about the term evil and of course we're maybe maybe you guys are familiar with um matthew 7 chapter 7 verse 11 where we're called evil by jesus the people listening to him the crowd they're called straight out evil he said if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I always thought that that just meant like that we're desperately wicked, kind of like what Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah seventeen 9 says about the heart being desperately wicked. But this evil is not uh, (laughs) mustache-twitching, what evil shall I do now? This is not the kind of evil that is spoken of in the scripture in that particular passage. You see, evil, Wonder Woman, in that particular instance, was right. Evil is the unconscious or unintended transgression of the divine law, what we call the Father's will, through ignorance. So evil is the measure of the imperfectness of obedience to the Father's will, and that is due to us being ignorant of the perfect will of God. So we are all evil in the fact that we lack the fullness of knowledge of the holy will of God we possess what could be called darkened intelligence and that is the result of original sin so in a way what is called evil is a lot like the being born in sin being born in sin being born in imperfect knowledge being born in automatic transgression of the perfect will of God, because we just cannot do the rightful will of God because of so many factors. But our sin nature, our darkened intelligence, our limited capacity in this um, in this fallen nature. So that is evil, in the biblical, if you will, sense. I'm going to go into sin and iniquity and lawlessness. Okay, so that so evil should be equated with. And I'm not saying it's always that way in in uh, in the Bible. there's passages where evil means really more like iniquity or lawlessness or or wickedness, being seeking to do harm, seeking to do wrong. But there's other times when evil is just basically you, you're just not capable of understanding and you, therefore you sin just by being in a darkened state, okay? So it's really interesting in the passage of Matthew 7:11 he uh, he says if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children so he's basically saying despite the fact that you have a darkened intelligence you still know how to give good gifts to your children interesting despite your ignorance you're still capable of giving good gifts to your children. Now, let's talk a little bit about sin. I mean, we've heard about sin a lot. We know what sin is, right? Sin is the conscious, the breaking of God's law. So it's the the conscious knowing, uh, uh, knowing and deliberate transgression of the divine law, the Father's will. Sin is the measure of unwillingness to be divinely led and spiritually directed. Sin is basically a declaration of independence from God. That's the sin nature. We do not want in our sin nature to submit to God. We want to be in charge. That's sin nature, okay? And Romans 3.23 is very clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, that's sin. Now, iniquity, also translated lawlessness, lawlessness. Let's talk about lawlessness. Well, the word, I like the word lawlessness because it it basically says it, lawlessness, without law. So lawlessness is the willful, willful, determined, and persistent transgression of the divine law of the father's will lawlessness is the measure of the continued rejection of the father's loving plan and the son's merciful ministry of salvation so iniquity or lawlessness both are can be used for that is the willful and conscious pursuit of independence from god and his laws to an extent where it leads you to commit not just sins, but to be in a state of constant rebellion against God. Now, these are the elite, the 1%. See, the 1%, they have one commandment they follow, just one. Believers have 10 and the religious have 365. <laughs> no, was it 318? Uh, 600, uh, 600. Yeah, the religious have 600 and something. Anyway, I, I won't get into that, but uh, how many laws and precepts are in the Old Testament, right? So iniquity, they practice one commandment, which was coined by Aleister Crowley, also known as the great beast. And he liked that term. He uh, founded a religion called the Thelema, which is satanic to the core, Luciferian to the core, completely rebellious against God and committed all kinds of atrocities. They had one commandment. He coined it, Alistair Crowley. And the one commandment is, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That was his one commandment, and that is lawlessness. Lawlessness is you are without law. So the elite have made it their specialty and often committing the unpardonable sin in the process, the unpardonable sin in the process. And I was discussing with Elizabeth And I don't have a certainty about what I'm about to say, but I believe that those who commit atrocities against children, against young children, atrocities, that I won't go into detail here, but you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. I believe that these have committed the unpardonable sin. I'm not saying that the atrocities against the children are the unpardonable sin. But what I am saying is that you can only commit those types of atrocities if you have committed the unpardonable sin. I have heard countless testimonies of people converting to Christ after having been homosexual, practicing homosexuals, after having been all kinds of of, of things, after having done all kinds of stuff. But I've never heard a testimony of someone converting to Jesus Christ after committing atrocities against young children now you might argue you might say well it wouldn't be in their advantage to say it because they could end up in jail right and 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 i i get what you're saying i get it but i believe that if you if you go to the if, if you've gone that if you've crossed that line I believe there's a reason that line has been crossed. It's because you have committed the unpardonable sin. And it's my personal conviction, and I may be wrong, and I may be wrong. May God forgive me if I am. But I believe that if you've crossed that and gone to do that, it's a fruit of you having committed the unpardonable sin. I don't think you you can cross that threshold and be redeemable. I don't think it's possible. I think you're you're, you're a tear. You have just proven you're a tear, and that you're going to stay a tear and you're a tear forever, if that's been done. Tough. I, I'm I'm not enjoying this talking about that. Um, but I I felt that perhaps I should uh, address it. Now, there's one percent on the side of the wicked, on the side of the lawless, but there's one percent on the side of the righteous as well uh, the elect these are the ones that jesus was talking about when he said enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it, few. And it it's probably more than 1%. I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is that there is a war. We're in a, we're in a situation right now where um, sugar-coated Christianity, cruise ship Christianity, cruise ship churchianity, it needs to end we're on a battleship uh it's all hands on deck it's I mean we we have to uh, I, my heart bleeds often because I I'm I'm looking I'm considering the church I look at the church and I'm like we're not ready we're not ready darn it I mean especially in the west I mean in the in the east yeah in the east there are they're battle-hardened, many of them, many of them. They've lived in countries where they were persecuted and, and, and killed. They're battle-hardened. But in the West, Lord have mercy. Uh, we're in difficult times. You've noticed this, and I know this is not a, a rosy, uh, fun, positive message, and I'm sorry. I don't want to offend any of you. I, I wish I would be talking about something more uh, uplifting tonight. But tonight's message is, is an urgent one. It's it's a message to to step up and to get off the fence. If you're still on the fence or if you're still not all in, uh, in my in my book, my latest book, Kingdom Fundamentals, that's pretty much the, the main message of the book is I encourage the readers to be all in for the kingdom of God, to be all in. I've shared it many times on this broadcast. I had a dream uh, a couple of years ago. I was walking up a hill. I get on top of the hill and out of the ground came a treasure chest. It was pretty pretty big, about this wide. And as it came out of the ground, it opened up on its own and I saw a great light coming from the, the treasure chest. And I heard a voice behind me and it was the voice of the Lord. And he asked me, he said, are you all in? And I woke up. That'll wake you up. that will wake you up. And I'm hoping that tonight's message, although it may be difficult to listen to, maybe there's some stuff I've been talking about that I, I, you know, I know it's hard. I get it. I know it's offensive. I get it. But sometimes we need to be offended into righteousness. We need to be shaken into taking a stand taking a stand. And uh, there's a saying, there I used to have a bumper sticker that said, um, if you don't stand for anything, you will fall for everything. Think about that for a second. If you don't stand for anything, you will fall for everything. You know, on the other side, on the side of the, the lawless ones, the elites that call themselves the elites, It's actually funny because it's the people of God who are the elites. But we'll leave them that term. I'll take the the term that the Lord gave us, which is the elect. But the elites, they they have a, a one mind. They are of one mind. It's what's called a hive mind. A hive. You've seen bees operate in a hive they all serve the cause of the hive everybody it's all hands on deck everybody serves the hive and what goes on in the hive and it's sad to say but on the the side of the wicked and i don't want to give them any compliments but they're better organized and they They're working together more than we are. I mean, Christians, we're still fighting, bickering, having theological debates on trivial matters. And and the funny thing is, whenever I see theological debates, whenever I see uh, people fighting online, I see it all the time. And I try not to engage. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I want to jump in, but I don't. I don't. I know better. But whenever I I see that the people accusing the other are false doctrine or, or false this or false that, and I'm like, do you even know what false doctrines you believe? And I'm gonna do a teaching about that. I'm probably gonna do a teaching about that. Because we have darkened intelligence, Paul says we only see in part here, right? We're gonna see fully when we're in heaven. We only see in part. Because we only see in part, automatically, we believe one, two, maybe five, maybe 10 false doctrines, maybe 20. The point is, everybody believes things that are false. As much as we love truth, as much as we want to walk in truth, Until we're on the other side, we will only have limited knowledge and revelation. So, the question I have for you is, what false doctrine do you believe? And are you gutsy enough to ask the Lord to to reveal it to you? What false doctrine do I believe, Lord? What thing do I do or believe or practice that I should do away with? Is there anything? Is there anything that offends? It's, we read it in the parable of the tares that he's going to remove everything that offends. Is there anything that offends you in what I believe? And if so, show it to me. What false doctrines do we believe? So it's it's not a time... I mean we're obviously we've seen i was listening to a preacher today and he was saying in the last couple of years we saw those who were lukewarm who they were basically and it's true it's true we saw it in the last couple of years it's like it became quite obvious those who were on fire for god and those who were lukewarm now there's a very very dire Warning in Revelation to the church of Laodicea But Jesus is saying to them in Revelation 3.16, he says to that church, he says, So then, because you are lukewarm, or on the fence, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So tonight's broadcast is a call to get off the fence. If you're still on the fence, if you're still not all in, if you're fence-sitting, get off the fence. Because guess what? Satan owns the fence. He owns it. So if you're sitting on the fence, you're treading on very dangerous grounds. So tonight's broadcast is basically a call to be all in. It's a call to be part of the 1%, but on the right side. To be on the right 1%. To be one of those who pursues with all of his heart the narrow gate. To be all in for the kingdom. That's what it was about tonight. You know, there's a... We can feel it. Everybody feels it. I feel it. I, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I... I hope you feel it. There's a great shift coming. And you know, for the longest time, when I was younger, I would read about Revelation. And, and, and when I read Revelation, when I read the tribulation stuff and all that, all I saw was God's wrath. God's wrath. Oh, it's going to be awful. God's wrath is going to be poured out. And it's true. There is There is part of that. But I didn't understand God's provision for his special people. For the remnant god's provision for his elect in this period his love his revivals is double portion it, it's uncanny to me that the father can do these two things at once but he can he's god he can pour out the worst judgment humanity has ever known and pour out the greatest blessings that individual believers have ever known at the same time. We are living in unprecedented times, unprecedented times. There's gonna be things in the coming, I believe in the coming months and years that we're gonna witness that we we are we like, we have front row seats to what's gonna be incredible. I mean, it's going to be we're living in biblical times, highly biblical. And the Bible reminds us that there's a host of witnesses in the heavenlies that are now rooting for us down here as we are running that race, that marathon. As we're running that marathon, There's Enoch up there, there's Moses, there's Elijah, there's Adam, there's Apostle Peter and Paul and James and John, they are rooting us on. I don't know what happened uh, a few years ago. I, uh, I had a strange experience. I was at the hospital and for some reason or another, I. Fainted. I fainted. And I don't know if maybe you guys could tell me. I mean, if you if there's people that are listening to this broadcast who fainted, did you hear anything while you were unconscious? Because I heard and I don't know if I was peering through the veil or if I was privy to some information or to some activity going on in heaven. But I heard cheers, like a crowd, like a stadium, cheering. Now, that's weird. I don't know if it was because I was coming to, and I was kind of, like, confused. But I distinctly heard cheers. I guess it wasn't my time. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. But the point is, I was just questioning it and wondering if any of you guys have maybe uh, gone through similar experience and, and maybe recall hearing something like that when you fainted. Not a fun thing. I don't recommend you faint for, to find out. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'm just going to finish on that note. So, look, I, I hope this broadcast has blessed you. The elite versus the elect. This is it. The final showdown. And uh, we need to toughen up. We need to toughen up. We can't have a glass jaw because this is going the full 12 rounds. 15 rounds? 12 rounds? Anyway, the distance. We're, we're taking this one the distance. Uh, Brother John Ramirez says that often. He says the first time Jesus came, he gave the devil a knockout at the cross. And then at the resurrection, knockout. And then the devil said, I want a rematch. And the rematch is against the bride. This is us. And this is now. So, um, so, yeah, we have to be tough. We have to toughen up. And we have to be all in for the kingdom. Because if we're not all in, we're not going to get, we're, we're not going to make it the distance. We're going to, we're not going to, we're going to faint on the way. <laughs> I was talking about fainting earlier. We're going to faint. It's going to be too hard. We have to be all in. It's by being all in that we're gonna have everything that we need to take this fight, to, the, to make it to the distance that we need to go as the, uh, the crowds in heaven are cheering us on. Well, I hope this broadcast has blessed you. If it has, make sure you share it. Uh, this is the best way to show your appreciation is by sharing this broadcast, leaving reviews on Apple podcast. If you're listening on the podcast and God bless you and I will see you next time.